and he's New Order Amish originally, not long out of the New Order Amish church. And he's just, uh, uh, was he comes from Ohio somewhere, just a good guy to talk to. And um, he told me this, and he said, you know, the way I look at it, when you take somebody and you're making a, a chaplain, it's a waste of good resources. What you're doing is you're taking a man that's perfectly capable of doing something and accomplishing something, and you're making a, a chaplain. And I was delighted that he shared that with me, that he felt like he needed to share that with me. It was just really good news because I came to his job site as a chaplain and he was supposed to fit me in his program. And uh, But as I looked at this thing of deacon and ministry, being a minister... I could relate to him, and I, to his defense, he said he changed his mind on it there, and he's 100% for the chaplain program. But I like the first part of the story better. The idea where you're taking a man that's totally capable of working, and he's at work, and you take him and make a deacon out of him. And with that in my mind, I was thinking about um, Roy's uh, thoughts at the baptism last week, I believe it was. And as he laid that out, I realized that God moves the ball down the field with whoever he wants to move the ball down the field. And he wanted to accomplish something. He wanted to accomplish a great man's healing, and he wanted to do it his way. And he used, who did he use? He didn't use kings. Uh, even Elisha was in the background. He used three servants. The first was a little servant girl that was a maid of the individuals of Naaman's wife. And the next was a servant of Elisha who came out and said, here's what you do. And the third was a person that said, his, his uh, servant that said, look, now, Let's think about this. If he'd asked you to do something really great, you would have done it. So why not? And God uses whoever he decides to use with whatever title. And I think heaven will only reveal on the work that each of you do behind the scenes. And I, I wondered that thought. I like that thought. I really like the thought of Lee saying... You're taking somebody out, and, and it's a waste of good resources. First Timothy three, and I'm going to start at the beginning. The first one, a few verses, is about bishop, and then it says likewise, and ties it together, and it kind of says some of the same things, or many of the same things. This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, nor, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, 
For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of a devil. Likewise, and I think that first part, I think in the context here, and if you take it apart, we're not doing it any uh, harm if we say that list is also, uh, this this whole uh, paragraph is for, ch- or this whole uh, t- topic is church leadership. Likewise, must deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine. And later in this book, he's telling Timothy, young Timothy, say, hey, you have that stomach problem. I want you to take a little wine. Apparently, Timmy had decided, I'm not going to drink any wine. But he tells Timothy, just for your, for your sake, I think you should take a little wine. These were pre-plexus days. And that was their medication. Not greedy for filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith in pure conscience. And let these first be proved. And that's what we're here for this morning to talk about a little bit. Let these first be proved. Even let them use, I'm sorry, let them first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Now bear with me, don't, don't wander here. I'm going to read a couple more verses, just those last three or four in the New Living Translation that brings about a thought or two. In, starting at verse 8, In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers nor dishonest with money. They They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as a deacon will be rewarded with respect from others and have increased confidence in their faith in Jesus Christ. So we're together here this morning to cover your job in this. And your job is to prayerfully and carefully pick some candidates. And here at Northwoods, for this office, we have a rule that you need to be 21 and older. And if you're 21 and older, you should be thinking about this and mauling it over, and you should give a name. Todd said he thinks there's 30% voted here at Northwoods. And his goal is to see more of you step up to the plate. 
Because the Bible says in the multitude of counsel with more people, there's safety. There, you'll get a better answer. You'll get a better answer if uh, frequently in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. The more of you vote, vote the better quality uh, answer that you'll put forth. A couple thoughts here that I have is in, before we take some unpack some of this, uh, some of that just sharing from the heart here. Embrace that person that is chosen. There's not everybody going to agree on the same one. So I think it's really, really important that you embrace the one that God chooses through this process. If it's not your favorite, we rally and support, throw our support, complete support. It's If you look at the division between the Democrats and the Republicans right now, you can see what that does. Saying, no, my man didn't get in. Uh, to grumble afterwards, I think, is a scary thing. Here's, here's a reason. Our faith is in God, not in man. And, and that's where our faith has to be. And so, you know that God can use whoever he chooses to use. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Pierre is a guy that was one of the gentlemen that was teaching our counseling sessions. And he was, uh, I followed him on Twitter. And just last week or the week before, he had this tweet. And I so agree with it in this context. What he said was, history will end up being one long story of God's expert use of flawed tools. History will be a long story of God using flawed tools. So I, that was in my mindset. I'm not making space for myself. I want to grow. But as I looked at Peter and Paul and Mena Simon and Conrad Grebel and Swingley and a donkey was tools that God used. And all of them, we can come up with Things they got wrong, except for the donkey. We don't have any record of him being in the wrong anywhere. And you know, Jesus, that didn't bother him. As he looks at you, and he says, Here has, here's what I have to work with. That doesn't bother him. He's not worried about that. He named... Bolnergas. Am I saying that right? Bolnergas? It's a word in the Bible. I'm probably butchering it that bad that Bolnergas. No, you just don't know it. I'm, I'm getting it right here. <laughs> I'm being too hard on myself. It's what Jesus nicknamed um, the sons of thunder is what it means. It also kind of means, and, and the word is in the Bible. Look it up in Mark. And uh, he named uh, he named them Bolnergus, and it also means interprets commotion and tumult. Tumult. So this is Jesus. He chooses too to help him, 
And he, he gives them this nickname here. And they said, and I think it's in the chapter after our Sunday school lesson, they said, hey, they didn't listen to us. Should we call fire down and level them out? And Jesus says, no, that's not what we're about here. He did say shake the dust off, but he wasn't saying cut off all their chances or anything like that. We're out here trying to save people. We're not trying to, to bomb them or anything like that. History will end up being one long story of God's expert use of flawed tools. And if you're chosen to fill this particular spot, history will continue that. Another thought I have here that I'd really like you to consider. Embrace the method that we use here. I, I, just, I just really wish you'd think through it, check your Bible out, come to the men's meeting, have your say and embrace the method that we use. I just really appreciate how Paul laid this out and how he said, here, you can follow this pattern. Here's how you're going to choose somebody and it's going to cause contention to cease. Man sometimes interferes. And I am so grateful that Todd and Eric have the mindset not to interfere or manipulate or guide or put their man in. I believe that with all my heart. And you can manipulate, and, uh, and the Mennonite churches have done that. They've manipulated through procedures and vetting process and all kinds of things. But what I'm here to say, it, have your say at the men's meeting. Todd said, I want them to talk, and, 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 and if there's wisdom there for overlooking something. And when we leave there, we have something that's ratified and we know that it's not in our hands. You know, if you're looking at something and you say, okay, should we do it this way or do it that way in the back room? And it's going to depend on my history. I, I am a man. And so it's so hard not to have favorites. It's, it's, it's hard for you. You're, in your mind, you have somebody that is too conservative or in your mind it's too liberal and you can't see what God's working in their life and you only have part of the story and you haven't walked in their shoes and it's so easy for us to get it wrong but God can pick the smallest or the biggest or the little whatever and he can use a donkey and he can use you he can and so embrace the method and let the contention cease. So the first thing that I like to pick out of this here uh, list of things, and I think this is the most important one in my mind, and you, you can disagree with me, but you're sitting here and you're trying to say, okay, whose name should we give? And um, here's a list of, Here's a list of things that we have. And one of the things that I think is the most important, disagree with me if you will, is that he's not a brawler. That he's gentle. New Living Testament said he must be gentle and not quarrelsome. 
a peacemaker. And I think it boils down to humility. I think the most important thing in a leader is humility. And God's still working on me. We're looking at a bar. We're, we're not looking at someone who has achieved this. Claire and Todd and Eric are working at this, but we don't want to minimize the standard. We're looking at, okay, how do you decide this? I think humility is a big part of a good leadership. Mom brought her two sons to Jesus, and she said to him, hey, uh, she worshipped him, it says, and she said, I appreciate everything, and I'd like to ask you a favor. I wish that one of my sons could sit on your right and one of my sons could sit on your left when your kingdom comes, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you know, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not for me to give and that's not what's important here. That's not how this works. And then what happened? The other preachers in the room got really irked. It says they were indignant or something like that they were really why were they why were they offended and it's what we were going over in Sunday school I think I think they were offended for the wrong reasons but Jesus called them together and he said look that isn't how it works he said you know In the world, the rulers of the world look over people and officials and they flaunt their authority. They rule over and they flaunt. And that's not what you as a leader, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, For a person to, and and husbands, you know what, we should do this more often. As I was looking at these things, I think there's a lot of stuff here that we as husbands need to know. A good leader is humble, and we don't flaunt and uh, and lord it over those people. And also, Jesus, when he was speaking, thinking of leadership and leaving his ministers here behind and the ones that would lead out, he called them all together a little before he died, and he gave them a towel. And he said, "Here's, here's, here's what leadership is. You serve. Let's get busy washing feet, he said to him. Pride is the enemy of any leader. And, and here's, here's a thought that I'd really like to give to you there. You must handle criticism well or you're not ready for leadership. If your peers are your employee or your wife or your children criticize you and you just defend you're defensive and you just defend yourself that's not a good leader quality that's not what uh, you must handle criticism well to be ready for leadership you can be a leader but not a good leader if you're defensive Next thing that we'll cover here, and we're not going to cover all of them, but the next thing we'll cover is faithfulness. Faithful to one wife. Uh, He must be faithful to his wife. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. 
in my mind, what this is, is fruits of the Spirit need to be evident in his everyday life, in his life. The Bible that he preaches must be in the process of changing his own life. Uh, uh, What is the observable reality in his life? You know, uh, we must be able to manage our families and our children well. Uh, Paul Tripp says this, and here's where the connection I'm trying to make there. Uh, In his book called Dangerous Calling, it's written to pastors. I like this paragraph. Don't think that your Bible knowledge and theology define your spiritual maturity. It is possible to have a good Bible knowledge but to be in real need of spiritual growth. There's a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is accurate understanding of truth. Wisdom leads to transformation of your life. So the Bible that you're going to preach and the the things that you're going to teach must be in the process of changing you. They must... The, the power must get to the wheels. Uh, faithful to you. In other words, how loving and faithful you are to you, those around you is how spiritual you are. Is that putting it, or how committed you are? How, how that's going is, is how it's going. So I picked up a hitchhiker that had a phrase that I liked. Uh, Friday I was going down to the cities. And I picked up the, a, a hitchhiker. He's a black gentleman, about 47 years old, I believe he said. And um, he was talking about uh, how he's running from a wife who's pregnant. And I, so I had some time, and I took him down to St. Paul, or to just north of St. Paul. And so I drew him out, and I said, so uh, what's making you run from your wife? And he was given his story, and I was challenged and saddened by his story. He was adopted. He had three or four change of his last names. He didn't know till he was 18 who, that he was adopted. He had uh, seven brothers and from different fathers, and his dad had spent time in jail, and he never met his dad. That was his background. So I'm not criticizing him on this next statement. He had, he didn't have the chances that you and I had. But I said, so where are you going now? He said, well, I'd like to get to St. Paul. And I said, well, where will you stay there? And he said, well, I have an apartment there. He said, uh, I kept my apartment in case things get funky. So I have somebody, so I have some place to go back to. He got married, but he kept his apartment in case it didn't work out. And I guess uh, that's the kind of commitment that we see a lot of in the world today. But if the Bible changes your life and you have the commitment and love for your wife and those around you and your children and, and your brothers, uh, then, it's, then it's, it, it's evident in your life. There's evidence in your life of how it's gone. And the good thing about it is, is we all sit here and we all need this thought and we all need to say, okay, I want to 
meet these categories. I, I know life would be better for me if I do meet these categories. So I want to, I want to have a faith. I want to be faithful. I want to be committed. I want the gospel that I'm trying to study to take a hold in my life and change my life. Another thing that we'll look at is um, it says here that, you know, as you scrutinize, you should pick somebody that has a good reputation out in the world. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. And that's his track record is what that is. Uh, how it's been going, how, how his relationships are and how, how it's been going there. It's his brand. It's who he is. His, uh, how people talk him. Jeff Bezos says this. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And that's what your brand is. What people, what people collect from you. Like my mom used to say about a certain lady, she used to say in Dutch, you need to handle her like China. Very carefully. You need to tiptoe around, that was the idea. That was her brand. What do people say about you when you're not in the room? That's your brand. Uh, your reputation, your track record. Not quarrelsome, not contentious, not one scandal after the other, not a whole lot of drama. Just a good, solid reputation. Just a few scattered thoughts here yet on ordination. The plan, Lord willing, is that we will hand the book work to one of you in about five weeks. And uh, you'll take up the book work of payroll and run the business end of it, payroll taxes, managing the budget. And you'll be preaching as needed and voting in administrative meetings and attending administrative meetings, assist in men's meeting. Conflict resolution, counseling, and everything that goes with the territory. My duties is to ensure a smooth handover. And the plan here is that I would stay on walking beside the new deacon and voting in administrative meetings for another year and a half or so or until I'm 65. We weren't sure how it would shake out here, but we're not... My mindset is that there's not going to be two deacons. There's going to be a new deacon and me walking beside him there for a little while. So that's the, the thought. My goal is, I think Dan Schrock just did a beautiful job of a supportive role. I am so blessed by it. any one of us pastors can call him and say, Dan, what do you think in this or what was the history of this? Or what's, how would you handle this? And he was uh, uh, very good at supporting and, and guiding. Uh, as we go through the qualifications, I just have a thought. It's hard for you to be judgmental and to scrutinize. And it's what we're trained not to do. 
and you have a job to do, but then please get back to not doing that job when the job is finished. I just, you know, as you sit here and you say, well, okay, he's this, but what about his wife? She's kind of not a Mary or a Martha, and I tend toward relating better with a Mary or a Martha. Or what about this guy? And we unpack pretty much, and we, we kind of scrutinize. <clears throat> be kind, be discreet. My thoughts are, and you can do what you want to, but my thoughts are keep your thoughts to yourself or between you and your wife and the Lord and pray about it and pray about it. And you know, nobody's as bad as you think and nobody's as good as you think. And so when you're done giving your name, then just leave people's lives up to the Lord and encourage and build. But be very careful that our scrutiny don't keep going on or that, uh, that you don't hang on to disappointment. Move on. Then uh, all are called to serve. And I think we miss this sometimes. We're filling just one little spot here. But everyone's called to serve and God moves the ball down the important stuff by all of all of us, as all of us uh, fill a spot that He calls us to. In five weeks, one of you will take this position, and you will be invited to serve. What an opportunity! What a privilege! Don't don't uh, wait to tilt forward uh, like. Just fill your spot and and grab a hold with all your might. And I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to change somebody's schedule big time. It will change your schedule. And I wish you well and I look forward to your help and I look forward to fresh perspective and I hope when you get to the place where you have to choose between looking good or making the right decision that you make the right decision. God will help you with that. I have one more thing. I, I think because of what you go through, uh, it molds the way you think. But if you get the privilege to share the lot, fasten your seatbelts. It's a roller coaster ride, but it's a growing time. And I absolutely want to have breakfast with you Monday morning. I really, really want to talk to you Monday morning if you get to uh, share the lot. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All the powers that hell can put forward aren't going to conquer his church. Charles Spurgeon said, I don't think the devil cares how many churches we build if we're going to fill them with lukewarm preachers and lukewarm people. Let's kneel for prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the incredible design of your church. And we ask that you would lead at this time and guide your people.
work through each servant to accomplish your will and help each of us to embrace your will and support it. Help each of us to be willing and available and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.